Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in for the Hootsard Huddle podcast presented by HootsardHuddle.com. It's the pot of open discussion and open dialogue. We talk about a handful of topics that fall under the blanket of sports, entertainment, politics, and business. These are my friends, my people, my fam. You are now inside the huddle. Bringing in, I'm Michael Hotard alongside Danny Hillman and Matt Labatu back for another episode of the Hotard Huddle podcast. And uh, we're back with more NFL. We're going to continue this train because, well, it's fucking rolling. So let's go. Um, so last week, we kind of talked about some of the things that happened on you know, week, week three. Now we're going to address some week four issues and also maybe get into some stuff week five. We're just going to have some general talk about what's happening in the NFL. Um, so let's go ahead and just dive right in. Um, first and foremost, I mean, are we in agreement right now that the biggest story of um, week four as we head into week five is urban fucking Meyer. How, how did we get here? How are we talking about the Jags as the top story? Danny, I'm going to let you field this one because this is a really easy answer, and I want to know if you can get this right. Yeah, well, as your resident Jags fan, um, I can tell you that with all but maybe one or two times in the long, strenuous tenure of being a Jags fan, have the Jags ever made headlines for the right reason? So with us leading off, it means that we're obviously doing the wrong thing. In this case, Urban Meyer. Um, coincidentally, you know, our first round, our first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, uh, went to a bachelor party in Vegas this weekend. That might have been a headline, you know, but instead the 22-year-old, you know, behaves himself didn't make the headlines. The 57-year-old coach, uh, you know, did a little bump and grind. And, you know, he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Literally. And, you know, even with that, you know, because I don't buy the argument, well, he's a grown man, let him do what he wants. Like, no, there's an ethics thing. There's a moral thing. Um, Also, just from a football standpoint, get on the plane with your team. You're 0-4. You, you know, after – what was it week one or two you're saying wow this is like playing Alabama every week you played the Texans who just got a 40 burger on them by the Bills and Bills are a great team but you're 0-4 you have better things to do than to throw on the old Ohio State sweater and go sit there and just you know run up a bar tab and you know make headlines for all the wrong reasons I'm not a conspiracy theorist but I highly think that you know hey maybe there's an angle on this where he just wants to get the boot and become the usc coach who knows but i don't know i'm just tired of talking about my team whenever it's just something bad it's all bad mike it's all bad well i mean i i said this before the season and i don't know how many uh if you two agree with this or had the same feeling but i told i told you danny i believe um, before the season, I think it was us having the conversation. I think I gave Urban Meyer till week ten or twelve, if I'm not mistaken, and I said he would be canned and it would be disastrous. Yeah. Um, he's just one of those college coaches that feels like a lifer in college, kind of like your Sabins. There are just some guys that don't translate to the NFL, and hearing all the reports very early on, like during preseason, even is, well, he doesn't understand that he's dealing with grown men now, not dealing with college kids. You can't just stop a a positional coach from doing drills and take over. You can't just do what you want at the NFL level. That's going to rub people the wrong way. Hell, even in college, to a certain degree, it rubs people the wrong way. But if you're winning, so be it. You're not going to do that in the NFL. It's going to end poorly. And right now, he's just checking off all the – this man is if – if we were talking about my son's uh, preschool class, my man would have about 30 red checks at this point. 
Yeah, I just I don't get it with it, especially the optics of the whole thing. I think I saw uh, somebody on Twitter. They tried to look throughout, you know, the NFL in the last 20 or 30 years to even find an instance where a coach didn't fly back. And I think the one that I saw was uh, maybe Bill Parcells didn't fly back with uh, with his one of his teams back maybe 20 years ago. He never coached the game again for that team. So that just goes to show you how rare it is. And the one time it did happen, his ass was out of there right after. So, you know, that's the part that just is wild to me. And you're not even getting into the whole, you know, bar atmosphere and everything. But how the hell do you not fly back with your team? Like Danny was saying, it just it doesn't make any sense. I feel like that's a really quick way to kind of lose the respect of the locker room players and coaches alike. They, you know, they're going to question, do you take this seriously if shit gets tough? Are you just going to give up and are you just going to kind of coast along? So, you know, well, I've that, already seen him give up before, too. Like, let's not forget about this. Either. Is, is his heart on in teams. it? Yeah. Heart. Emphasis on heart. <laughs> not only does he have a bad heart, medically speaking, he's got a fucking bad heart, morally speaking, right now. Yeah, he has the morality of Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has the morality of Daryl Strawberry and the decision making <laughs> of Dwight Gooden. Um, it, it's just, it's just, I don't know, man. I, it's the the thing that gets lost in all of it, right? Is at the end of the day, like it's the Jags fan base has been just knocked down time and time again, and here you are, you know, your coach, you're a married man, and you're you're a month into the season, not even a full month. It hasn't even been full four full weeks. You played on Thursday night, you know, and, and this happens and it's just absolutely ridiculous. And like the team's not even taking them serious. I saw a clip uh, yesterday where the Jags are breaking the huddle, essentially like mocking him or playing light on the situation. And instead of saying ready, break, they're going ready, grind. And they're all just laughing, you know? Um, as they break the team huddle for practice, like he, he said, he didn't think about resigning all that. Like, I hope when we do this podcast next week, he's not the coach. I hope that, you know, Hey, for the second week in a row, you're not joining your team on the plane, you know, instead you're going to stay here. Um, you know, so to speak, I'm, I'm speaking, you know, figuratively because they're in Jacksonville this week, but they're going against, the Titans who have had their number time and time again. So I don't know. I'm tired of talking about Urban Meyer. Well, I mean, everyone's had the Jag number time and time again at this point. So, I mean, there's nothing new there. Um, Take a man you know, when he's so, all right, let's, let's look at this. Like, let's, let's, let's put on our prediction hats here. So I gave him 10 to 12 weeks, 10 or 12. I don't remember which one it was before the season. Dude, I don't even know that he makes it there at this point. Like, I'll be honestly surprised if he's there by week eight. And I don't even know if I'm being generous there. Um, but, uh, dude, the the train is coming off the track in this case. Um, but I'll, I'll say week eight. I don't think he makes it past week eight. That's fair. Am, am I allowed to put in a wager that I – I hope that it's before this podcast airs. <laughs> Which, for the record, we're recording this on a Thursday night while watching um, Ram Seahawk. And, uh, you know, so Friday morning. I hope you're right. Like, fuck Urban Meyer. Um, talk about a fall from grace. Um, Your but... rebuild fell apart week four. Again. Right. Again. It's punishment. <laughs> Like, the reason I'm in a sales job is because I can handle disappointment and rejection thanks to the Jacksonville Jaguars time and time again. It just seems like the owner just can't get it right, man. No, it's... Hey, Shad Khan's not doing things right, but I'll tell you what. His son, Tony Khan, is doing all the things right with AEW. And I know this isn't a wrestling podcast, but damn it, it should be with everything that's going right for Tony Khan. Just get rid of Urban. Honestly, like, I hope he's gone by uh, Monday morning. I really do. And I would love for you to just figure out the year, develop your guys, find a way to bring Byron Leftwich home. He's obviously one of the hottest coaches. You have Trevor Lawrence, who has shown that he has the tools 
You know, it's it's not he's not you know he's making rookie mistakes, but he's not atrocious. No, there's moments where he looks like a great NFL quarterback. Yeah. Like last week again, or was it the Cardinals this past week? Yeah, against the Cardinals. I mean, he had he had a handful of throws where he was running for his life and slinging it and On accurately. Point. Right. Yeah. You know, I I have all the faith in the world in Trevor Lawrence. I have none in Urban Meyer. Well, that's the um, thing. Like, you, it, it has you have twenty nine million in cap space. Which is the most by fourteen million. The next team, the Eagles, have fifteen million. You have one of the youngest teams in the NFL. No sales tax in, tax in Florida. Why is it so hard to get the coaching right? Just bring Byron home. I miss him. Bring him back. Um, so, all right. Let's say Urban Meyer were to get released before Monday. I don't even know that it would be the most shocking release of the week. Um, you know, two big stories that broke were obviously the release of Jalen Smith from the Cowboys. Now, that was a bit of a shocker. Um, although not on a scale of one to ten, I'd say it was about a six. Um, and the reason I don't go higher is because there's been some questions. Uh, especially within the organization. Now, this seems really dumbed down and silly, but this is kind of a big deal. Um, during the offseason, obviously, the NFL changed their numbering uh, rules. Obviously, now you see running backs and linebackers wearing single digits, which I thought would be a lot weirder than it is, but whatever, not much different. Um, but Jalen Smith, I remember in the offseason, was talking about wearing number nine. And I mean, dude, cowboy. Twitter and everything like that blew up and was like, fuck you. You're not taking Tony Romo's number. What is wrong with you? Why would you even ask that? Um, and he like tried to do it without permission from Romo. So like, I don't know if he's just one of those guys who has a tendency to rub people the wrong way, but he's a, pro he's a fairly productive linebacker, but um, that was kind of shocking. And then of course the Stefan Gilmore trade uh, from the Patriots who, uh, he got traded to Seattle in exchange for a six-round pick. And this is what's crazy. Um, Danny's over there shaking his head. He, he got traded to Carolina. You Carolina, my bad. I said Seattle, my bad. Everybody um, gets one. You know, my flub of the week. That's going to be our new segment. My big flub of the week. Um, but gets traded to Carolina for the six-round pick, right? And... um What's crazy is, I mean, I know he's had his injury issues, but Stephon Gilmore for the last three years is a top three corner. No question about it. Um, doesn't get beat. I think he's given up in the last three years. I think he's given up five touchdowns. Um, very, very high-end cornerback. Uh, so that was pretty shocking, but that's two very strange and kind of shocking uh, player movement there this week. So if Urban Meyer gets cut, I think he's the least shocking of all of them. So I think one thing uh, you failed to mention and a little tidbit about the whole Jalen Smith uh, number change is I think he paid like half a million dollars to change his number to number nine and got to wear it for like four games. So boo on him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, those those two guys getting cut, the Jalen Smith one, I guess not as shocking, like you said, about a six, because the writing was kind of on the wall with uh, Draft and Parsons, although he's playing on the defensive line right now because of necessity, he yeah. was pretty much supposed to take uh, Jalen Smith's spot. He's so good. He's so oh, good. He is unbelievable. <laughs> it, it, far and away, probably the uh, defensive rookie of the year right now. I don't even think it's really relatively close. Uh, kid's a stud. You can pretty much put him anywhere. I think they said he hadn't even played defensive end since like high school. You know who isn't a stud, though? That was a rookie last year. Chase fucking Young. Guy sucks. <laughs> but, but, here's uh, an update on Chase Young, by the way. Eight pressures this year. Ranking him around 190 total pressures. Or, I'm sorry, thir 38th in total pressures. But among players who have a pressure, um, he's tied in the 190s with zero sacks. <laughs> fucking all pro my ass. No, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Danny. No, I was just going to jump in. Um, you know, when you said drafted last year, 
doesn't it kind of feel like Micah Parsons is what Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons was supposed to be? Yes, yeah. yeah. 100%. And Isaiah Simmons is coming into his own now. I, you know, he's definitely responding better this year. Um, you know, but it, it definitely was a surprise. I thought it was actually a, a larger surprise to see him go up and sign with Green Bay. You know, I think that instantly makes Green Bay's defense better because while um, Jalen was having a tough time, they, they talked about his reads, you know, the ability to read and everything. Um, Green Bay is a great spot to, to start fresh, you know, where the fan base is all about football. And, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not well-versed in my Packer fanhood, but if he wants to wear number nine, I'm sure it's fine. Go ahead. Good luck. Try and wear number 12. I just thought I just thought about this though, um, which I'm in the process of looking it up. But Green Bay's defense, assuming Preston and Darius Smith are still there, Smith to add to the equation. Yep, Smith family. Jesus, a law firm. Yeah, (laughs) Smith, 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 LBC. Yeah, Um, and then you know to get into Stephon Gilmore, I mean. Guy's a former defensive player of the year. Um, I think he's, what, 31 years old. Uh, That's it. So definitely, you know, on the, the downturn of his career. But Especially for a corner. That's, that's, yeah. that's old for a corner. But, but what's incredible is Carolina's stable of cornerbacks now. You have, you have him, J.C. Horn, who's obviously injured, which is why they made some of these moves. Um, C.J. Henderson, who you traded – for a sixth, a fifth. No, sorry. You traded for a third. Back up. Traded. We'll get there. Dan Arnold for CJ Henderson and a fifth. So you still got a draft pick with it. And then a lot of people don't even realize, I I believe AJ Bouye is still over there. He is. Yeah. Uh, He's not going to see Jackson from LSU two years ago. Yeah, It's it's so it's absolutely insane. Um, what they're doing in Carolina, I think we said it last week. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy to see how they're just improving that team, and it never feels like they're going all in. You know, the the Sam Donald. There, side, there's still a lot of progress to be made. Like you there, watch there them, that you just look and you watch them, and you're like, "There's something missing," but I like where this is going. Exactly, they kind of feel like the Dolphins last year, or yeah. maybe it was two years ago. You were two years like, ago. They're they're right there. They're right there. And I like what Rule and Brady do. Um, I I hope I'm like you. I hope Gilmore comes back and really, you know, just returns to some. Even if he's eighty percent, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. Eighty percent will still put him in the top twenty corners in the league, easy. Um, but yeah, that's a, and you know, in today's NFL, you know, base defenses are no longer seven man fronts. Base defenses are nickels. You know, you typically have you're either playing a four and two or a three and three because teams are now spreading the field. You know, most teams are running primarily three wide receiver sets. So you need the extra speed. You need the extra corners. Um, So having a crowded corner um, corner room or defensive back room ain't a problem in today's NFL. Um, You know, that gives you plenty of rotation. You can maybe have one or two that can only stay on the field but I mean that's that's huge and then then you throw in some of their play at safety I mean Jeremy Chin's excellent I that's probably one of my favorite picks if not my favorite pick um in their two draft classes um and then you know he already got mentored mentioned but injured JC Horn you know I remember watching the draft um I don't remember if both y'all were on that zoom I know Danny was um but we see them J.C. Horn get picked, and I think everyone was just like, uh, holy shit, wasn't expecting that, but I like it. Um, so Carolina, they're on the up and up, and it's it's really cool to see what Sam Darnold's doing. I know we kind of touched on this last week, um, but thank God he no longer has to deal with Adam Gase. Bless his heart. But Sam Darnold looks damn good. Um He's got six rushing touchdowns. Six rushing touchdowns, leading the league right now, mind you. Like, when when did they get another version of Cam Newton? Who knew? But he's Carolina's doing some damn good stuff right now. They're a lot of fun to watch. 
Yeah, and I think the only coach worse than Urban Meyer in the league might be Adam Gase. Said it last week. Or Matt Nagy. Yeah, but Matt Nagy at least stays out of the headlines and stuff, you know? (laughs) That man cannot call plays to save his life. No, but did you guys see that he's no longer calling the plays on Sunday? I believe yeah, it's, that's uh, his, his OC now. Yeah, which is what an offensive coordinator is supposed to do. Unless you have an offensive coordinator as a head coach, which Matt Nagy is, he's supposed to be a freaking offensive guru but can't run an offense. Like, what the hell? Maybe one day the Bears will finally get that – precedented 4,000 yard passer in their franchise history how are you in 2021 the only franchise without a 4,000 yard passer in a single season how Rex this is this is Ben this has (laughs) been the standard now that 4,000 yards is where your starting quarterback should be since like 2007 2008 and you have failed to get one you're pathetic like how, how? Because Jay Cutler's smoking cigarettes at some bar somewhere, probably in like Miami or something. Yeah, maybe. But um, some of the other, uh, one of the other things. Speaking of coaches, um, you know, I touched on this this week. Sean Payton, um, Taysom Hill, and. One of the things, and I'm not going to rail too much on Taysom Hill. I think we've done that enough. Um, but, dude, Sean Payton, when he loses, I fucking hate it. Because, and I've said this for years and years, and I was screaming to fire him back in 2017 when they started 0-2. And that was after consecutive, three consecutive 7-9 um, and nine seasons. You had a top five quarterback. You had three consecutive losing seasons, albeit seven and nine. Um, you, you can't do that with a top five quarterback. Now you got Sean Payton. They're sitting at two and two. They just lost to the Giants. You got a little bit of fluff there with Jameis Winston, but at the same time, you don't get to be two and two, and your response to some of the issues you face, it is what it is. Stop being an arrogant cunt and a piece of shit because this is what he does. He just doesn't take accountability when they start losing. And it has always rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and the second, if this losing continues, I promise you, the Sean, fire Sean Payton train is coming back full-fledged because fuck that guy. Go back to doing coke if you're going to be a piece of shit while you're losing. The one thing uh, I'll definitely get on Sean Payton about is I don't understand the the Taysom Hill usage and getting Jameis kind of out of his rhythm. Like, how the hell is Jameis Winston supposed to get in a rhythm when you're going to throw Taysom Hill in there to throw a fucking horrible deep ball? Like, for as big as he is, that man cannot throw a deep ball to save his life. It's all He can't read a defense. He can't read coverages. he's... He's always late in everything that he throws downfield. Like, whoever was beating that drum that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL before the season started, like, you look like a fucking idiot today. I'm sorry, but... You look like was... an idiot before today. You look like an idiot the second Taysom Hill came into the league and you were like, he's going to be the starter. No, he's fucking not. I mean, he is what he is. Like, you can spread yeah. him all around the offense, which is fine. Like, use him as an H-back, use him as a tight end. But I, I think the days of using him as a quarterback, I mean... Maybe every now and again you sprinkle in a trick then, play, like, but you don't do it on situational football. You know, you mentioned how it's kind of gotten stale, right? So third and four this year, third and four or less for the Saints. This is a telling stat. Third downs are super important. All right. You know, situational football for any quarterback is super important. Third and four, when the Saints are faced with those situations, if Jameis is quarterbacking, they are four for seven. It's a very good third down percentage at that down and distance, right? You throw Taysom Hill, they're one for five, 20%. And you've seen the third down numbers dip as the year goes on. And this is what I talked about in the column that I had wrote this week. And it's stop beating your head into the wall and using him the same way the Miami Dolphins use the Wildcat. It becomes ineffective. Taysom Hill's best season was three years ago, I believe, when they were using him as a... Um, as a tight end, as a receiver, I, and 
if I'm not mistaken, I believe he lined up at running back a couple of times. Breeze turns around, hands it off. Let him bull rush people. Or if you do want to use him as a Wildcat quarterback, use him on first, second down. Don't take the ball out of your quarterback's hands on a third and doable, on a third and short. Right. Right. You know, um, one of the things that I kind of uncovered, his his rushing totals on second and nine, second and eight, second and longs. Yeah, go ahead. Because then he has the space to kind of open it up. And if you do decide to throw it, you can at least or you can at least give yourself a chance if that defense is collapsed in on you. But it's just it's so predictable and this is what happens. Sean Payton starts getting predictable with all his shiny toys. He did it with Reggie Bush. He did it with Darren Sproul. He even did it with Pierre Thomas in the screen game. Well, there was a time where Pierre Thomas was maybe the best back in the NFL at running a screen. And question. then it just sort of became obsolete. He'd still get his, but it was nowhere near effective. And it's because you just beat it into the ground and it became so damn predictable. So figure your shit out. Don't say it is what it is. Stop being a piece of shit, plain and simple. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is, but, uh, but that's there the it idea. is. that's the irony in it is you know for a guy that gets a ton of credit for being creative you know a guy that gets also a ton of credit i want to bring this up sorry for a guy that coined a phrase in new orleans for a long time of do your job he sure does forget how to do his when they're losing and he fucking forgets how to own up to it when he fails yeah and that's that's probably um like i said that's that's the biggest irony you know, it's kind of like that that guy that, you know, you work with that tells the same story, you know, twice a week. That's essentially the, the play calling. Um, and the guy that I really feel for in New Orleans, and I'm not a Saints fan. It's just whenever I watch the game, whenever the Saints are losing, the defensive coordinator, what's his name, Dennis Allen? Dennis Allen. God, because if the Saints are losing, Peyton, for whatever reason, is just screaming at him each and I'm every glad time. You, I'm glad you brought that up, too. Because I also wrote this four years ago when Dennis Allen started. Look at how it ended with every single defensive coordinator in New Orleans. Going back to Gary Gibbs, 2006 to 2008, um, Gary Gibbs was the defensive coordinator. 2006, their defense was very good. It was very effective. Slowly, progressively got worse. And eventually, Gary Gibbs was gone. Greg Williams. Now, he obviously had Bounty Gate happen, so a little bit of an aberration there, but um, his defense has also progressively got worse. Now, 2009, they weren't technically good. They thrived on the turnovers. 2010, that defense carried the Saints that year. Drew Brees was a turnover machine. Um, 2011, the offense, it didn't matter what the defense did at that point because the offense was just scoring like that. Uh, both on the ground and in the air. That was the dumbest offense I have ever seen. Um, and then, uh, obviously, the fallout with Greg Williams happens. Then you get um, Steve Spagnuolo in, in 2012. He lasts a season under Joe Vitt as the head coach and then gets canned because of how bad that defense was. Um, and, you know, Sean Payton was supposed to be away from the game. I don't want to sit here and pretend that Sean Payton didn't have influence there. I'm sure he had some influence in some capacity. Um, but then you get Rex Ryan, I'm sorry, uh, Rob Ryan. And once again, first year, great progressively gets worse. Now his case, that's been a, that's been a trend for him throughout the course of his DC career. So it's kind of like, eh, you kind of get a little bit of breathing room there if you're Sean Payton, but at the same time, it's another same trend that has continued to happen. Now the defense is still good for the saints right now, but when they lose, like you just said, he is constantly in the D.C. here, whether the offense has seven points or whether they have 37 points. And it doesn't matter if his offense has multiple turnovers, whatever the case may be. It's never his fucking fault. And it drives me nuts. Yeah, it's almost like he turns the ball over. You know, the defense has to stop him within the within the 20. He holds the opponent to a field goal. and He's like, what the hell are you doing giving up three points? You know, it's like, what do you want me to do? The other thing, when we talk about Taysom on third down, um, 
it's a different dynamic when Breeze was there. Breeze was doing it for like 186 years. So if he comes out of the game, he, he can go in and not lose any rhythm. That's not Jameis. You know, ultimately, Jameis, at the end of the day, is still a young quarterback. You know, and still lacks polish because yeah. of the inconsistencies in Tampa. And so the confidence. Yeah. So you put him in a situation where it's, you know, third and four where, you know, hey, let him throw a slant route. Let him get a first down. Let him get some momentum. It's like, nah, we're going to put in Taysom. That's not to knock Taysom as an athlete. He's a hell of an athlete, probably one of the best in the NFL. But if all he is, is, you know, the equivalent to, you know, what we used to do on, on Madden as kids, just run the same play every time eventually someone figures it out and that's what Mike, you know, that's what you're saying. That's what's happening. And it's all, it's just downright stubbornness. It's like, Nope, it worked before it's going to work again. And it's not, and it's not, and it's not, you know, and he'll still rattle off some great plays, but at this point, if he's in, I mean, can you, are you, are you just doing you know it? All- coming. You know, it's yeah. coming and you just lost to the giants. Yeah. And you lost to arguably the worst coach in the league. You lost to arguably the worst quarterback in the league. Or at, mm. at the very least, a bottom five. Like, you don't get a pass for that. At home, nonetheless. So, yeah. Yeah. Dunzo. But if he keeps losing, like I said, it's, it's going to come unglued. Um, but, uh, you know, Moving on to another topic that obviously needs to be touched on. Uh, it was the game of the week by far. And that, of course, is Tom Brady returning to Foxborough. Um, you know, I, I talked about this, too. I fell for it. I fell for all the drama. I fell for all the storylines. I fell for the Brady versus Belichick bullshit that everyone spewed and damn it did I get burned so I do want to ask did anyone else fall for it and believe in the hype of the animosity between the two at least a little bit I'd say I still think there is a tiny bit you know very deep inside just because of the competitiveness of the two guys but you know I, I think at the end of the day they're at least very cordial I think they you know, they still respect each other a ton. So, yeah, yeah and I think you said it said it best there too, and and bringing it to the light of what it probably is: competitiveness, nothing more, nothing less, nothing, nothing personal, strictly business. Sure, that's a good way to put it. Well, and and for me, like I don't know that I necessarily fell for it because I don't feel like we got duped, right? Um, it was almost like a, Ooh, I can't wait to see what happens. You know, um, even when the game was over, you know, that was probably the first time in a long time where game was over and I'm seeing what Belichick's going to do. You know, what a coach is going to do if he's going to greet a player, which is essentially a non factor, you know, but of course it became talk. Um, you know, for me, the best part of the game was Belichick's son. God bless it. I mean, it became a gift overnight. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, um, but if I fell for it, I'm glad I did because it, it really was, it was a fun game to watch, um, you know, and it's, it's cool to see that both of them are competitive because that's been the biggest talk. Is it, was it because of the quarterback or the coach quarterback or the coach? Well, all of a sudden, you know, they just bang head to head and, it comes down to a doink, you know, and, and that's, that's what was awesome about that game. And that's not really, you know, it's, it's kind of refreshing because you don't get a lot of that playoff feel, so to speak in week four, you know, and because of it being Brady and Belichick, I don't know about you guys, but it definitely felt like it to me. It it felt important. You know, Um, you got, no matter what was going to happen, there was going to be the comparisons. And I know we talked about this last week, and it's all bullshit. Brady without Belichick, Belichick without Brady, they're both great in their own right. They formed the best coaching quarterback duo ever. It's the best coach ever. It's the best quarterback ever. There's no way to slice this where that is not the – or that's 
that's what should be the consensus. But of course you have shock jock syndrome, mouth breathers, the whole nine. Um, but that playoff feel that you talked about, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, I was excited for this game all week. Um, you know, rocking my Brady Super Bowl uh jersey on game day. But um you know, one of the things that got talked about, and I do appreciate, even in a losing effort, Bill Belichick, man, that was one of the best coaches. He did everything right. It sucks that he lost in the way Brady is used to winning, and it's just crazy shit happening. But when you're that good and your team's always in position, you make your own luck. Like, that's what's crazy to think about, too. Like, and some of the things that people forget, um, you know, whether you go back to the tuck rule and, you know, um, the 28 to three, all the crazy things that's happened throughout Brady's career, there's always some bizarre shit happening, win or lose. And when you're there constantly, when you're on the national spotlight, those things are going to happen. Like, I always hated the whole, oh, Brady's lucky argument. You don't get lucky by winning that much. But um, people forget. He's two, um, or one, I'll say one. Uh, I'll say one definitively really lucky play away from having another Super Bowl, and that is, of course, the David Tyree helmet catch, which is one of the best plays of all time by a mile. Um, but the other play that I think people forgot during that Super Bowl um, against the Giants, where he obviously lost that one as well, Mario Manningham on second and nine, I believe, that stupid sideline catch to give them 30-something yards on that play. Beautiful ball, beautiful catch, and something you probably would make two, three out of ten times. So, um, you know, he's had his fair share of just crazy things happen that go against him too. But this week, obviously, you had the uh, doink. Um and Patriots missed their field goal. Bucks hit theirs. It was it was crazy. It was wild. One of the things that I I do think that the Bucks missed terribly was Gronk. Um, Cameron Brayton Brady couldn't get on the same page in that game, and that's to be expected. I mean, when you replace um, someone who Brady has had for a decade, I mean, Gronk was a rookie twenty twenty ten, I believe the 2010 season you're replacing 10 plus years of chemistry. So, but all in all, like that game delivered. Um, I think it was really cool and it kind of blew the lid off that everything was overblown um, in reports after the game. Cause after the game, they shake hands and Belichick kind of gives the hug and then just quickly scattles away, you know, whatever. Um, and after the game, he obviously goes into the visitor's locker room. He and Brady just hang out and talk, man. And, I mean, like I said, it put to bed all the reality TV drama, if you will. Yeah, uh, one thing about the game I'll say is how wrong were me, at least you and I, Mike, about our predictions going to be like 50-something oh, to 20. Dude. Like, holy shit, were we wrong? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, man. But, uh yeah, I mean, great game. You know, definitely one of those like grinded out playoff feeling games, like you guys alluded to earlier. I don't uh, like Urban Meyer grinding it out. <laughs> um, I thought Mac Jones didn't look that bad. I thought he, Dude, he, he looked like he played he, a great he game, pretty good. You know, you can't you can't really expect too much more from a rookie. So, you know, I definitely think he went up toe to toe with Brady and and stood his ground. Uh, kind of poetic justice that it comes down to that you know, field goal in the pouring down rain and 56 yards. If it was 54 and a half, he probably would have made it. <laughs> you know, it, it's just crazy that it comes uh, to being that close. But, you know, I don't think we could have expected or, uh, you know, asked for a better game, a better ending. It's just, it was, it wasn't everything I expected to be as far as the scoring. But like, if you're talking about a game where just kind of defensive struggle back and forth, if you like those, you know, grind type of games, then, this was perfect for you, but you know, I definitely wasn't left uh, wanting anything else. So before we kind of get into the fun part of this, that is of course, fantasy football. Um, 
is there anything that you guys want to kind of touch on that we may have missed thus far? Actually, I lied. There is one thing I do want to ask y'all. Fan, uh, Vic Fangio, John Harbaugh, did y'all see all the drama that happened there? I did. Okay, so um, Danny, no, Matt, yes. So just to catch you up to speed, so the Ravens set the record for most consecutive uh, rushing, 100-yard rushing games, um, which spans 43 games. So that's years of of work. Um, well, the Broncos try to get a late touchdown down 16. Ten seconds left, they throw a ball, it gets intercepted. Well, Ravens get the ball back. Instead of going straight to victory formation, they basically give it to Lamar Jackson to run for six yards so they can get their 100 yards. Lamar Jackson slides. No one really no one really tried on the play, basically. It was a dead play. Um, after the game, Vic Fangio's pissed. He talks about it in the press conference saying, yeah, we expected that. Some teams chase records, this and that. Well, Fangio, I don't know what you're chasing. It sure shit ain't wins. You may be 3-0, but you beat the three of the worst teams in the NFL. So um, uh, are you okay with John Harbaugh going for that record at the end of the game? I just got two words for Vic Fangio, and those words are fuck them. And that's all I got to <laughs> say about that. I, I mean, I have no no problem with it. It's, it's just kind of like a, huh. You know, I think I I text you the two of you. I'm like, what, what a dick move, you know? And and in a way, it is. But at the same time, you know, you know what they could have done to make sure that they weren't chasing records, play till the end of the game, stop them. You know, like you you have every opportunity to stop them. Um, it, I don't know. I mean, well, I'm, I think I. I think my favorite part of it was Harbaugh's response. He said in a presser, he was like, well, you had 10 seconds left. I don't think there's a 16-point touchdown in the NFL. You could have ran out of the clock. Like, so you put the Ravens in that position. Like, And I think it was a they needed three yards. It was mm-hmm. something very small. So it's not like they're not running like it was a pointless plays. run. There was a, you know, yeah. They had a reason to do it. And, like, dude, you're talking about a record that spanned from, I think it was 1977 to, it was set by the Steelers from 77 to, I think, 81 or something like that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a record that spanned over multiple years and hasn't been touched since then. So why not? Like, that would be like saying, you know, in, I don't know, an unbreakable record something that we'll never see happen. Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hit streak. Let's say someone is on the brink of it. They need it. It's bottom nine or top nine, 3-0 count. The game is completely out of hand. Someone throws a meatball down the middle. Are you going to tell this guy not to swing and get a hit to break that record or tie that record? Like, no, that's stupid. Like, No, but Fangio is. Big big Fangio. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but so we're all in agreement here that, like, all right, cool, big Fangio. Stop being bitter that you lost, you salty old fuck. Yeah. I mean, he could have just left it alone and, <laughs> and Harbaugh, nothing comes of it. And, and Harbaugh would have looked like the petty one and people would have talked. But instead, he opens his mouth, says that. And now he looks like the petty one. He looks one. like the asshole, right? You know, uh, you're the asshole. You know, so I don't know. Um, it, it's a non-issue. Uh, the thing I was going to bring up, Mike, you said, is there anything we left out? Um, I feel like we got to give at least 30 seconds to Kyler and the cards. Like, no one had them being this competitive, you know, at the beginning of the year. And if you did, if you say you did, you're a liar. You know, yeah. you're thinking wild card at best, not not possibly when you were thinking the... third. Yeah, you know, maybe fourth team in that division. Yeah, um, you know, and they just look strong all the way around. There's there's not a lot of weak spots there. Um, so I that's what I would bring up is just like, look, man, the Rams. You're you're seeing it now on the game that's on right now. Um, the Rams are kind of the powerhouse of that division this year and the cards just went in and, and handled business um 
I just want to see if they can sustain it. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see it too. Their defense is obviously much improved. Um, Kyler Murray is a lot of fun to watch. They have weapons on offense. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, it's uh, speaking of weapons, Jesus Christ, Russell Wilson, what a guy just evades pressure like there's nobody's business. But let's get into some fantasy talk here. So I'm going to open this up because I want to talk about one of the guys that's playing right now. I just want to thank our good friend Ryan Soche for dropping his fourth round pick that is Robert Woods two weeks ago. And uh, last week he got me 12. He's already got a 17 point game with 10 catches over a hundred. Have yourself a game, Robert. You know, we have a $500 free agent budget, right? I splurged. Oh, block pun. Holy shit. All right, cool. Um, I splurged and spent, uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm, enthralled by what just happened with that uh block punt to turned punt um but robert woods uh i spent i think 380 something dollars on him and again i have a 500 dollar free agent budget well spent you will never have a fourth round pick on free agent wire and it is paying off and damn it i am going to rub his fucking nose on in on that from now till the end of the season, because what a steal for me. Kudos to Surface Friend. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty impressive to make the podcast for Fantasy Football two straight episodes. Um, it's even more impressive when you make it for two, at least right now, look like blunders in each episode. Um, you know, from blowing your free agent budget to letting, you know, Robert Woods walk. And I think he replaced him with Cameron Brait. Um, you, you thought the good idea was to drop Robert Woods and keep Cameron Brait on your roster. Why? Just why? I don't know. The guy clearly likes tight ends more than Urban Meyer, but... <laughs> who, who knows, you know, um, but it's, uh, that being said, you know, knock on wood right now, I'm, I'm sitting there tied at the top. Just going to keep riding it out. And uh, I'm at uh 500 in two leagues, uh, money leagues that matter in the league with uh, you guys, that family league. I'm uh, not doing as well. I'm a big fat one and three. So, you know, whatever pretty much how it goes the family league's a joke but what isn't a joke is the fact that i got robert woods for you know a fourth round pick for a free agent dollars how does that happen i did pick up zach moss after he got cut maybe like week one or week two so that's pretty happy about that it looks like he's probably going to be the league guy in that backfield i'd like to think well it's just crazy it's just crazy that you know the you talk about the the coaching move turning Robert Woods into Cameron Bray and Elijah Mitchell. I mean, it's uh, clearly a power move. I don't know what the end game is, but we'll uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, I just I don't know what you're thinking there. I just I don't understand it. But this is a big week for me because I'm playing arguably the biggest piece of shit in our league this week so uh <laughs> find yourself no i'm not the biggest piece of shit and it's not close Hi-oh. i don't want to call him out by name now that i've called him a piece of shit um but let's just say he's been my rival in this league for pretty much since the dawn of time and uh i owe him uh because Man, uh, I beat him. So before we changed uh, a little backstory here, before we changed our our Sacco ladder, because the way it works is it doesn't make sense. Like your last two teams, you can win the first game, still end up in the Sacco, but the person you beat, all they have to do is win next week. They're not in the Sacco, and that's basically what happened. Um, so um, I played him the first week. Uh, he was the 12th seed. I was the 11th, and I beat him. Well, I moved up, 
and then he won week two. I lost week two, so I moved down, had to play in the Sacco. I eventually win the Sacco. Um, so it was weird. So we changed the rules to actually have a consolation ladder um, or bracket, if you will. And, uh, you know, he's been shit the last couple of years. He's currently first. And, well, I want him back to being shit because this dude needs the Sacco more than anybody in this league. And it was funny. I was texting people in the league. Um, and I was like, all right. So basically asking, because everyone's obviously cheered for me. These assholes made shirts that said make Mike Sacco or make Mike Sacco again. Mike Sacco. Mike Sacco. That should have been the shirt. I just came new, up with a better idea for New family football team name, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I asked, I was like, so, I mean, obviously people like to watch me lose, but everyone was in agreement, just kind of like, I don't want to see this guy fucking win, though. <laughs> like, just worse. So it's, it's it's basically pick how you want to die. <laughs> like, the answer is I don't want to die, but you have to. All right. Well, this one seems better than this one. So give me that. Um, no, by the way, uh, Robert Woods at the time of this recording currently has 10 catches at the end of the third quarter. So um, throwing it out there, by the way, can I, can I, am I allowed to backtrack off of fantasy real quick? Because sure. when, it's a when, podcast. We do what we want. When when you said something that needs to get brought up too, we talked about it right before we hopped on. How awesome is it that Stafford is not buried in Detroit anymore? It's great. I it mean, is. get to watch him in important tell, game. You like, know, did he funny. play in one got, important game ever in Detroit? <laughs> he had a couple of playoff runs, but not many. Um, I mean, if Georgia played in Detroit while he was in college. <laughs> well no it's funny like you bring up stafford though and it um good old our good friend mario actually texted me and he said such a joy to watch this dude throw he's had a slow start by his standards but man he's he's accurate and i was like but which one stafford or russell wilson and that's what's cool about it now is like he's been officially unlocked uh, and, yeah, you know, I was wrong on this. I was very wrong on this. This is a debate Danny and I had. Danny was like, uh, this was probably, what, three years ago we had this conversation? I think it was um, about the, yeah, three years ago. Three seasons ago. Yeah, so we were having the conversation about Stafford, and um, he was like, dude, Stafford's a top-ten quarterback. I'm like, no, he's fucking not. Like, what? what? What has he done to warrant that? And – He's had his good seasons. He had Megatron, you know, never really had a run game. Uh, but he, he's always had some receiving weapons. But, again, it's Detroit. And, uh, yeah, I was wrong on that because I was a hard, 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 hard no um, for him being even in remotely near top ten. Like, I wouldn't say current Matt Ryan territory, but I always viewed him as, like, 15, 16. But – now that he's playing with the Rams, holy shit, what a wasted fucking career my man had. Well, well and they got a good offensive mind around him. Yeah. Yeah. And he was around so many bad teams up in Detroit. Let's face it, it the only time they you saw him on national TV was Thanksgiving when they Thanksgiving, were Thanksgiving, yeah. Whatever, you know. Skull fucked by somebody. Yeah, and I feel like they were always the game that played like after you ate. You know, the two strings. <laughs> you fall day. asleep at halftime. Right? So you fall asleep and then you wake up and now the good game's on and you're yeah. energized. It's like, oh, I, I fell asleep midway through the first and woke up with four minutes in the fourth. And it, oh, yep, Lions are down by 21. Par for Perfect. the course. That sounds about right. Right. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. It, uh, it just, it's nice to see it. Um, it's amazing how that offense, I mean, the argument that Soche had, here we go, full circle, back to fantasy, was <laughs> that uh, Robert Woods was like his eighth target. Qu- quickly dispelled, but it's because he shares the ball to everyone. And, I mean, you know that even when you're just playing pickup football, if everyone's getting the ball, everyone's running crisp, hard routes because they know that they get a chance to get the ball each and every time. Um and, you know, it's it's pretty good. 
if Deshaun Jackson's probably your fourth wide receiver right now. Um, yeah. You know, and imagine what this offense would be with Cam Akers. Daryl Henderson does a good job, but uh, it's the modern day greatest show on turf. You know, bring back Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, you know, Tory Holt, Marshall Falk. They're all just, you know. You forgot the most important piece to that. Orlando Pace. No, Ricky Prohl, baby. (laughs) All right, well. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. <laughs> but we'll just leave. I have no comeback to that. That was just so so bad. So bad. Urban bad. Urban Meyer. Bad. Urban bad. It was uh, grind bad. Yeah. You know. Um uh, there's yeah. a picture of his wife in the restaurant, which is the funniest part. Yeah. Or, it's... Wait, she was there? No, there's a picture of him and his wife. Like it's his bar. There's a yeah. picture of him and his wife like hugging each other. At like you know how they have the collages and shit, yeah, yeah, great guy. Posted on Twitter, she deleted her Twitter today, which I don't blame her. Bless her, bless her soul. Like, why would you sh- like, dude, she, shitting where he eats? Like, what are you doing? She like, put a bunch of flamingos in her uh, and... in her Twitter ah. status, so uh, there might be some swingers. It's it's a perfect. It could be. Perfect opportunity for an atrocious dad joke. You know, if the Jags have a winning season this year, is it an urban myth? The answer is yes. (laughs) Urban. (laughs) Just, just get rid of it. But uh, I don't know. It's, it feels like for the, you know, it's look, let's point this out. You know, it's bad when urban Myers taking up 20 minutes of this podcast at this point. Which, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just... It's the most airtime the Jags have gotten in months. Right. Absolutely. Ever. I don't think it's... I've ever... I think if you combined every single podcast I have done over the last four or five years, however long it's been, I think we have tripled the amount of Jags talk easily. And there's been multiple podcasts and probably... 80, 90 episodes, depending on which one we're going with, because it changes so frequently. But, you know, we're in the 40s of Hotard Huddle podcast, so great stuff. Yeah, and last thing I'll say, Urban Meyer, just like I said, if you think about it, he just has horrible experience with tight ends. Another joke, but you had the girl at the bar, you had Tim Tebow and Aaron Hernandez. That's not a resume you want. <laughs> Too soon? Too soon? I can't stand him. Well, I get rid of my him. closing thought, I can't stand Sean Payton, so fuck that guy, too. I'd rather have Payton than Meyer. I wouldn't. I'm just totally kidding. Of course I would, but... Uh, man, get his head out of his ass. That's what he needs to do. Meanwhile, Urban Meyer's putting his heads in asses. Payton needs to get his head out of asses. It's At least his finger. Oh my god. Finger blasting. They all we're thought, going off the rails. They all it's a, you, it's a good thing we're not public figures and this is just Hotard Huddle. This went from a fantasy section to a fantasy section very quickly. Oh. <laughs> uh, he's not oh, even good at that. Where do we go from here though? I don't, I don't know. know how to close it out from here. So how about Kirk Cousins again, huh? No. Kirk Cousins. Uh, um, man. The Jets beating the Titans? Yeah. That, that actually ruined a couple of people in my survivor pool, so shout out to the Jets for getting that elusive win. I didn't there know if go. they were going to do it. They looked like shit. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, though. Zach Wilson looked really good in that game. Hey, he made a lot of good throws. He, he yeah, looked actually, at the second half. There was definitely a tale of two halves. Yeah. Started the game, it was rough. Um, but he, he's, the, that's what you want to see from your young quarterback. It's gross. Yeah. Boys. He, got, he got dialed in, and dude, once he was, he was making some damn good throws. What do you, uh, so, a last question before we wrap it up. Um, overall, so four weeks into the season now, out of the rookie class. I mean, who are you most excited about moving forward? Are you talking just quarterbacks? Just the just the rookie quarterbacks, yeah. 
I mean, for me, it's obviously Trevor. I it's it's 25 years just being invested in in it. You know, if your top three greatest quarterbacks, top four are Mark Brunel, Byron Leftwich, David Garrard, and Blake Bortles, and you can't supply a fifth, you can't even have a top five because honestly, who the hell know who? who? I mean, Blaine Gabbard, Cleo Lemon. <laughs> you know like it, so by by Lawrence stepping on the field he's already in the top five you know um it's incredible so I'm interested to see him now if I'm not a Jags fan um I kind of want to see how the whole Justin Fields thing turns out um that's something I want to see because it just seems like it's going to be rough you know, and for him talking in the preseason saying the game came slow to him and then he has a season debut of nine sacks or whatever it was. Um, I'm interested to see how that team responds because they named, I think they named him today the starter going forward, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. At least so, until two weeks when it falls apart, Matt Nagy's He's like, oh, never mind. Bring in Nick Foles. Let me call plays what? again. You know what? First quarter, we'll use this guy. Second quarter, this guy. Third quarter, this guy. Fourth quarter, whoever's got the best. Then we'll have Justin game. run on the field. He's going to run off. Andy's going to run back on. We'll just confuse <laughs> the shit out of him. Where's the guy? Here's a guy that doesn't know what quarterback he's going to use. Are we talking about the Bears or the Saints? <laughs> That's actually a fair question <laughs> at this point. <laughs> well, there's a coach that doesn't know his quarterback. And you know that old saying when, you know, with the quarterback, if, 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 you only, if you only have two quarterbacks, then you don't really have a quarterback. What happens if you That's have three? That's how the story goes. Yeah. What? I said, what happens if you have three? You're fucked. Um, so, uh, God, we got off on the tangent on the Bears, and I don't know where I was going. Oh, the rookie quarterbacks, right. So, um, I uh, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I feel like, is the obvious answer. I feel like Trevor Lawrence is still going to be the best, but the one I'm most excited to see unfold and get polished, dude, Trey freaking Lance. I was big on him, draft day. I was thrilled the 49ers took him, um, and he looked damn good. That dude can move. Um so I'm I'm really curious to see what happens with Trey Lance and with the Niners in the future. I mean, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Jimmy G is pretty much gone after this year. So, um, you know, Trey Lance just waiting in the wings to make his move. And damn it, I can't wait for that to happen. Honestly, surprised neither of you guys took Davis Mills. Uh, he looks like he's going to be pretty exciting. No. I don't, <laughs> uh... don't want to talk about Davis Mills. <laughs> Because here's why. I wanted the Saints to take him in, like, the third. And he, I don't think he'd be a bad developmental guy. He's just nowhere near ready to play in the NFL right now. Well, I mean, he did look for terrible. The, especially for the Texans. Yeah, the Baron Texans with uh, Brandon Cooks and nobody else. But, uh, you, Danny, you stole my thunder a little bit. I'm probably most excited about Justin Fields uh, for kind of what you pointed out before. Mike is, like, Never had a 4,000-yard passer. This kid can sling it. Looks like he, he's got the movement. He can move around a lot in the pocket, can run. Uh, so I, I'm excited about him. I'll, uh, I'll hit on Mac Jones a little bit since you guys didn't touch on it. Um, I would want to see where he goes. It looks like uh, a lot of people are ragging on him for those short throws that, you know, his, he doesn't like to air it out down the field. But, you know, when your offense is asking you to do X and you don't have to do Y, it doesn't mean you can't do it coach isn't opening up the playbook maybe as much and you know this guy's in his fourth game like give him a freaking break remember that time drew Brees didn't throw a pass of uh 35 yards ever in a same yeah i think that was his entire career from like 2016 until his retirement like dude what was funny is Jameis winston threw that uh fifth i think it traveled 53 yards of air if i'm not mistaken in the first game of the season longest pass in a Saints uniform um, 
since God knows when, because Drew Brees never had a pass that long, even dating back to 2006. Pretty crazy shit. But I mean, dude, he's a Mac Jones is a rookie. Like, if he's keeping it close to the line of scrimmage, you're only going to getting comfortable in the offense. He's learning the NFL. Like, look, he doesn't have to sling it all over the field. Like, he's freaking Patrick Mahomes for him to be validated to be a first round quarterback. Like, he's fine. Yeah. I want to see him grow in the offense, of course. You know, I'd like to see him eventually start moving the ball more down the field, looking to make, you know, uh, hit the deep throws more. It also requires some downfield weapons, too. Yeah, like, and let's not well, pretend Jacoby he has Myers. anything great. He's got okay weapons. I'd say the C-plus is probably a fair well, he's got a He's got a collective piece of weapons that are – Short and intermediate guys. I mean, you, you, they obviously blew their load on two tight ends with uh, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. Yeah, not you got, Myers, obviously. Uh, you got Jacoby Myers. Um, and I think they just activated uh, Nikhil Harry. So he's Slow. got some. He's got some solid pieces to play with, but it's no one that's a complete receiver. So let's not pretend this dude's working with uh, DeAndre Hopkins or a Cooper Cup or anybody like that who can really make the mark downfield. Just give him some time, man. He'll he'll be fine. It looks like he's he's getting it, and you know I think he'll be a fine quarterback, especially with Bill Belichick. Like you don't get a better coach than that, for sure. But other than that, it's been a great episode for those of you who tuned in. Keep tuning in each week. Uh, keep staying up to date on the Hotard Huddle. Not so Monday morning thoughts. And uh, if you don't know now, you know Chase Young still sucks. And I'm going to die on that hill. But that being said, thank you for tuning in. And as always, honor the huddle. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on all major platforms such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't miss any updates from HotardHuddle.com by going to the website and subscribing to our email list. You can also follow Hotard Huddle on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle. As always, honor the huddle.